there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Marshall, and today we're going to talk about something that I am a massive nerd for. Uh, but first, you might already know Better Than Fine is part of the NASM podcast network. And if you've been a fan of the show for a while, you've probably heard either ads for NASM's Certified Wellness Coach, or you've heard me talk about it. I talk about it throughout many of the episodes. And you might have recently heard me mention NASM is giving a discount code for the Certified Wellness Coaching course, and they've extended that code for listeners of this show. So right now, if you go to the NASM website, they're having a 50% off holiday sale going for Certified Wellness Coach. Now, discount code for fans of this show is an additional $600 off. Now, I've been told that it is very unlikely that they will offer the certification for this low of a price point again, like ever, ever again. And our code is the lowest price that they have ever offered it for. Um, honestly, because they like the fans of the show. So it's ending December 31st. If you have been thinking about it, if you have been on the fence, now is the time for you to make this investment. So if you go to nasm.org, you're going to click wellness at the top of the page. And the promo code that you want to use at checkout is Marshall CWC. So M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-C-W-C. So if you're thinking about giving yourself a little, little holiday gift of professional or personal development, I know a few people have taken it because they wanted the information for themselves. That promo code is Marshall CWC. M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-C-W-C. Um, use it as checkout or if you're on the phone with one of the... Um, you know, associates who are available to answer your questions um, have that promo code ready. Uh, and thanks. It's our, our holiday gift to you, friends. Speaking of the holidays, I know not everyone loves the holidays. You know, this is a challenging time of year for many, many people. And even if you love it, like the schedule, the money stress, all the social obligations, the pressure to find great gifts, Hemi just a lot for a lot of people. And I have a horrible confession to make, which is, I'm sorry if you're one of those people, but I absolutely love the holidays. I love them. I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love the parties. I love the songs. I love giving presents. I love making stuff for people. I love wrapping gifts. I L-O-V-E unequivocally love the holidays. But there is something deeper underneath all of that enthusiasm for me. And it starts with a feeling that I didn't always have the language for. And I don't think that you need to have any like religious or spiritual faith tradition, any kind of woo-woo in order to access this feeling. I, th I think it's wired into the human experience. But for me, when I think about this feeling, my earliest memories of it happened at this time of year, and they happened at church. Now, this episode is not at all about religion, but this story involves it. My grandfather, who was a reverend, Reverend Jake Campbell, he's a bit famous where I'm from. Now, mind you, I am in a town of 400 people, and there is 160,000 people in the whole county that I live in, and over a third of them are in the only city in this county. So when I say famous, I mean in a very local sense, kind of like OG micro-influencer. Um, but when I would go to church, 
And I often did that so I could spend time with my grandparents who I am really close to. He'd begin to talk and he had this big booming voice that would fill up this little country church. And I'd feel this sense like I was melting, but not, not in a bad way, in a really positive way. It was like my mind was opening up. I was getting like out of my own way. The tension would start to leave my body and I wasn't just myself anymore. I felt bigger than me. And because I grew up with it, I took it for granted for a really long time. And it wasn't until I hadn't felt it in so long that I had forgotten it even existed. But I didn't know how to describe it. I didn't have a word for it. So fast forward 20 years and I'm studying positive psychology and I encounter the word for that thing, which is self-transcendence. Self-transcendence is a really powerful emotional force. And it's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. All right, so let's get to it. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall. Let's talk about self-transcendent emotions. And fair warning, I told you at the top of the show, I am a big old nerd for self and transcendence. So what is it? Let's talk about the technical definition of self-transcendence. And I'm going to apologize in advance for the uh, non-English names and words in this episode. If I mispronounce anything, um, apologies, I'll do my best. But when we're talking about the definition of self-transcendence, in 1993, Kloniger, Svravik, <laughs> I warned you, and uh, Prisbeck defined, defined self-transcendence as a tendency to feel and believe that you are part of something larger than yourself rather than apart from it. So you're part of this bigger thing. Now, in 2017, David Yaden and his colleagues, uh, David is a positive psychology practitioner who's gone on to get a PhD, and he specializes in these self-transcendent experiences. So he and his colleagues expanded on that work, and they added to the self-transcendent definition with two primary components. So these are emotional experiences that diminish your sense of self, number one. And number two, as that sense of self starts to fall away, we feel a sense of connection to, to other people, to the planet, to maybe even the entire universe. So it's your sense of self falling away, but it's also this sense of interconnectedness. All right, so why am I such a big old nerd about this? Well, I believe that self-transcendent experience is how we actually tap in to the things that are most important in our lives. It's how we orient ourselves to things like purpose, meaning, values, calling, like these big bell ringers in the human experience that give us direction. I think that they come from self-transcendence. And let me give you what I think is the perfect example, the overview effect. So the term was coined first in 1998, and it is the feeling of self-transcendence and identification with all of humankind that happens to an astronaut when they see the Earth from space for the first time. So this is a, a common experience in astronauts. They go up to space, they look back at Earth, and the feeling of awe is so overwhelming that when they come back down to the ground, they feel the sense of purpose and meaning. Abraham Maslow called these 
peak experiences, these big moments in our lives. And I cannot think of a better peak experience than the overview effect. And so when this happens, astronauts of all walks of life, all nationalities, they have this global identification with all of humanity. It reframes their relationship with the planet, how fragile it is, that preciousness of it. You know, I've heard it described as this blue bubble floating in the dark. And they recognize how fragile that bubble is. And with it comes this deep drive to shape the direction and protect humanity and our planet. That's really powerful. So David Yaden and his colleagues theorize that when we experience that kind of powerful self-transcendence, what's actually happening is a rewiring of what's known as your schema. So from that rewiring, we get this rewritten idea of how the world works. So let me unpack that a little bit more. So your schema is your beliefs and your attitudes about life. Some of it's subconscious that guides your moment to moment decision-making and your interpretation of what's happening in your life and your events. And when we're in a situation that the schema doesn't work, you either can reject your interpretation of the situation. So you tell yourself a different story to make it fit your current schema. Or if the situation is powerful enough, you have to rewrite the rules because rejection is no longer possible, right? So the feeling of self-transcendence is so overwhelming that you can't rewrite the story. So the schema, the rules subconsciously in your mind have to be rewritten. And I think another, you know, pun intended here, but more on the ground example is the birth of a first child. Because yeah, you knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Just like the astronauts knew that space was coming. You can tell yourself you're ready. And then the moment comes and you're more than just yourself. And rejection of that fact isn't possible. You have to rewrite your idea of who you are and the place in the world. That's self-transcendence. So you're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall, and I'm telling you about self-transcendent emotion. So back in the fall of 2019, I heard Vivek Murthy speaking on loneliness. Now, he had a book that was set to come out in April of 2022. This is the fall of 2019. So it was written before the pandemic, a book on loneliness, but obviously very well-timed. Now, he'd go on, Vivek Murthy goes on to become the Surgeon General under Biden. None of that was set into motion yet. When he was writing this book on loneliness and I heard him speaking on it, it was focused on what he saw as a public health epidemic that was coming even before we had this isolating pandemic. Obviously, no secret that the last few years have lent us into uh, a bit of a mental health crisis. And it's no secret that we are struggling as a society to meet that situation. And I know that listeners of this show are no exception because you reach out to me about it. And thank you for that trust. So before the pandemic, Murthy writes in his book, which is titled Together, The Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World. He writes in that book that a third of Americans over age 45 consider themselves to be lonely. Now, remember, this is before the pandemic. 
And we know that loneliness leads to increases in depression, anxiety, mood dysregulation, a whole host of physical ailments. So loneliness matters when we're talking about health and well-being outcomes. But what does that have to do with self-transcendence? Well, Jonathan Haidt, another psychologist, he likes to say that human beings are part B, that in order to obtain well-being and fulfillment, we need to feel that we integrate with the rest of the hive. We can't just say that we are part of something. We have to actually feel that we're in that bigger sense of self and group. We have to feel self-transcendence in order to be well. And there are all kinds of other theories that recognize this need. So if we go back to Abraham Maslow, love and belonging, smack dab in the middle of the hierarchy of needs. If we talk about Ryan and Dietschy, which we do all the time on this show, we talk about self-determination theory. One of the foundational psychological needs is relatedness. And I don't just mean relatedness to yourself. I mean relatedness and integration to your family, to your community, to society as a whole. These are all different levels of ways that we relate and integrate. And I could go on and on and on with more examples. All of these ideas together bring us to awe, to that feeling that I would get when I would hear my grandfather's voice in this little tiny church this time of year. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm Darlene Marshall. We're talking about awe. So the self-transcendent emotions are mostly positive emotions that go beyond oneself. And I say mostly positive because sometimes awe can be really scary, right? Sometimes losing oneself can feel like a lot. So the self-transcendent emotions include awe, compassion, Gratitude, which if you want to dive into gratitude, check out the episode from November 17th. And then we've got elevation. I think elevation is really interesting. So elevation is the emotion that we experience when we see another human being do something profoundly like selfless and kind and positive. And then we want to be better because we see their example. Like that's, it's, I think, just a really neat way of thinking about that feeling. So self-transcendent and elevation. And then love has also been proposed as a self-transcendent emotion. I think that one gets complicated too, because love isn't always selfless. There's still a self in a lot of love. But what we found in the research on self-transcendent emotions is that by and large, with all of them together, they increase what psychology calls pro-social behaviors. So that, you know, and we've I've set up before on the show that pro-social behavior is essentially being nice. But it's so much more than that. What it actually means is that um, you increase your efforts to benefit others. So people who feel self-transcendence are going to go out of their way to be of benefit to other beings, not just human beings. Now, awe specifically is a reaction to something far greater than ourselves. So this could be physical, like you know, this is an actual cliche example, but it's very true. Um, back in September of 2021, I took my sister, who is a nature photographer, to the south rim of the Grand Canyon. It was her first time there. And so standing at the edge of all that vastness, here's a person who deeply loves natural places or architecture, like visual beauty, and watching her face as it all dawned upon her. And she felt that level of vastness and awe and feeling personally small and your place in all of it. 
It could also be vastness in concept. So this would be like, I'm thinking about the size of the solar system or even the universe and how tiny I am compared to the expanse of space-time. So the vastness component is part of the awe equation. And with awe, we feel the sense of self falling away, the connection to something bigger, and then we have to rewire that feeling so that it fits into the world, right? We're gonna modify the schema. So according to a, a study in 2015, when people feel this sense of awe, they're more likely to volunteer, right? More frequently and for more meaningful um, causes to themselves. They start to prefer to invest their time and their resources into experiences instead of just buying more stuff. And they have greater overall life satisfaction. So they're more so pro-social, they're less materialistic, and you're happier. That all sounds pretty great to me. And it also sounds like a lot of what people need right now. So why does this matter right now? Why this episode in this moment? You know, when I started at the top of the show, I was talking about the holidays. And I, I want you to consider for just a moment how many cultural and religious traditions have rituals or holidays at this time of year that are specifically originating from the Northern Hemisphere. So go on this little journey with me, okay? We've got Hanukkah, Festival of Lights. We've got Christmas, light a tree. Now it's very well known that lighting the tree at Christmas is specifically taken from Celtic pagan traditions around Yule. Right? I'm not saying that to be controversial. I'm saying that because like, sociologists will tell you that that's the case. Um, I think I mean anthropologists there, but you get the idea. Um, Yule is the winter solstice celebration from Northern European Celtic tradition where you'd call back the sun through bonfire and ritual. And there are winter solstice festivals in indigenous traditions all over in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so I am in upstate New York. And here, the Iroquois uh, midwinter celebration, which is Shateko Se Ro Se Le. I'm sure that I said that wrong. And I, like I said, I apologize in advance. But the Iroquois midwinter celebration is five days after the new moon following the winter solstice. And it's a multi day festival that is invested in calling back the sun. So we've got Diwali, which is the Hindu festival of lights that celebrates the goddess Lakshmi and brings wealth and good fortune, is about getting negativity out of one's life, and it's celebrated by lighting clay lanterns. We've got uh, a northern Indian celebration that takes place in mid-January called Lohri, marks the end of winter through bonfires. Um, Omisoka, Japanese New Year. You've got Chinese Lunar New Year, which is also in January. That cultivates in a lantern festival. So many of these traditions also have specific foods, songs, rituals, dances, sports, games, along with the bonfires and the lantern lighting, the light festivals. So I believe that our ancestors in the Northern Hemisphere, in the depths of winter, 
in the darkest and coldest days, called back the light by appealing to forces and feelings greater than themselves. Because to survive the dark and the cold, we have to rely on one another. We have to hive. It makes us more pro-social. And to do that means that we connect to self-transcendence. We have to open ourselves up to what's greater than we are, feel that we are a part of it, and then carry those lessons to teach us into our lives. Now, maybe our ancestors didn't do it consciously. Maybe it was that those who did things like this at this time of year were able to have an advantage over those that didn't. So they didn't survive. And that's how the tradition survived. And we ended up here. Maybe enough people figured this out all over the world that it became wired into our subconscious, into our schema. And if any of this is too woo-woo for you, I want to remind you that underneath it is a lot of scientific evidence backing up what I'm saying. It is not like I'm making up some woo-woo here. There's evidence in self-transcendent emotion and in anthropological evidence to support this idea that our self-transcendent connections made us more pro-social. And then because we worked together, because we were able to hive, that's how our ancestors not just survived, but thrived. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall, and we are talking about the power, the very real power in awe. Awe is a powerful self-transcendent emotion, and I believe one that our ancestors on some maybe subconscious level really understood. And the leaders who kept these traditions alive recognized that we needed it at the loneliest, coldest, and most dangerous time of year. There are a lot of people who struggle this time of year, and we've had a rough couple of years, many of us. I think that connecting to awe can really help. So what do we do about it? Well, one of the most difficult parts of self-transcendence research is that it is very hard to induce in a lab so that you can study it. But it doesn't mean that you can't seek it out for yourself. So the ways that we do know that we can connect to awe, it's often experienced in nature or when we contemplate things that are bigger or more powerful than us. You know, I think of another really powerful self-transcendent experience I've had um, has been in Rome, sitting, uh, there's this active archeological site uh, of one of Nero's summer palaces and sitting underground in this ancient structure that is so beautiful. Some of it we don't even know how they made and recognizing just how long human beings have been creating beautiful things, right? That's, that's vastness in a different way. So that leads to the way that we can connect to those feelings through art, through music, thinking about one, loved ones or reflecting on our own peak experiences. When have you felt that feeling of something so much greater and more powerful than you are and it had you rewrite your idea of who you were and your place in the world. Now that might be through spiritual or religious tradition. And I want to throw out there, it doesn't even have to be yours. You could be joining in the celebration and let yourself be carried. And that can be enough. 
But there is a prerequisite here. There are some studies that have shown that in order to experience this, you have to be, you have to have what's called openness to experiences. Um, so if you're shut down, if you're skeptical, you're cynical, you're going to be less likely to feel it because you need an experience that that's much more powerful, that that that's that much more overwhelming. But maybe just maybe, hopefully my enthusiasm and the science in this episode has convinced you made you a little more willing to put a pin in that in that cynicism that it's actually to your betterment to be more open-minded about these ideas so that you're more likely to lean into that feeling of awe and self-transcendence. You know, and that's because we get through the darkness. We get through that feeling of isolation and loneliness, not by having an intellectual understanding of connection, but by actually feeling and deeply knowing that we are part of a greater whole of humanity and of this planet and of everything in it. There's been a lot of darkness for many of us. And I think that it's time that we be more open to calling back in the light and that we do it together. We'll leave it there. I would love to hear your feedback and you can find me. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm Darlene.coach. I'm on LinkedIn. Very easy to find. Name's Darlene Marshall. Or you can email me your feedback. It's info at Darlene.coach. And if you're a fan of the show, I hope that you'll consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to everyone who's been writing us reviews. It does help us with the algorithm and helps other people find the show and build the audience. Uh, and of course, if you share about the show on social media, please do tag me uh, wherever you are. I'd love to see that you're out there and amplify it. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that you have some awe-inspiring holiday moments ahead of you and be well. Thank you.